SEO is AEO. Welcome to the show, Greg, Jennifer, and Austin. <laughs> Amazing. Brilliant stuff. Welcome. We're at Ungagged. It's been a great event. We're, it's all kind of running down there. Uh, I've loved it. What do you think? Uh, it's, it's been horrible. It's the worst show it's I've ever Great, Jennifer. Really, really, really bad. Yeah, it's been amazing. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna counter what Greg just said. Okay. Oh, we're gonna start. The opening Greg. keynote was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, I was. do need to say that. Yeah. Please remind it me was. who I did the opening that, yeah. keynote. I don't, it was some really good looking guy. It was really funny too. Oh, okay. I don't remember. I was awesome then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> very good looking guy. It's funny. That's totally me. And Jason has jokes today. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, uh, and we, you've loved it as well. Oh yeah, of course. You're not gonna uh, say anything uh, else. Uh, Obviously. Brilliant stuff. So, and today we're talking about why technical SEO pays, doing the technical stuff pays, and that was your subject, Jennifer. G- give me, give yeah. me the lead. In. Why does it pay? How does it pay? Um, so it was part of my talk yesterday here at Ungagged, and um, I obviously have been focusing on the the tech SEO side of SEO yeah. for quite a long time. Um, and for me, I think that in the last couple of years, um, we've seen a fundamental shift in the way that um, SEO is looked at. And obviously, with more and more products that Google is launching into the SERPs, it's more and more difficult these days to actually get into um, the organic search results and actually be seen. Yeah. Um, you're fighting with so many paid placements. You're fighting with you know featured snippets. You're fighting with um, the people also ask images, Google shopping, all of this. So. For me, I think it's a matter of saying if your um, organic search traffic is decreasing because you're no longer able to capitalize on that, then why shouldn't we shift our focus into optimizing our sites for all users, regardless of the traffic channels that they're coming from? And that warrants technical SEO capabilities. So it's structured data, it's schema markup, it's making sure that you've got proper on-site navigation, um, it's proper linking, internal and external, right? So all these various elements that are technical SEO are going to have a greater impact on your user journey. Yep. Again, in my talk yesterday, I was talking about search experience optimization as opposed to just search engine optimization. So optimizing for the user, not the search engine. Yep. Which means we get to keep the acronym. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you God, can keep the acronym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you expand on that? Yeah, yeah, I, think, I think you I mean, were touches, agreeing. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it, it, touches, it touches on a lot of the topics that we cover all the time. It's, it's it, the technical part. You just can't be without it, right? Mm. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You're a blogger. You're local, right? Enterprise, yeah. e-commerce, the technical has got to be there. Uh, um, and completely agree uh, there's there's different points of entry and different 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 places for people to start their journey yeah. right as they're looking for products you mm-hmm. not only google you have amazon you have other places where they start social. their journey social absolutely yeah. but it all winds up on your site at one point or another right yeah uh, so optimizing towards that i think is super important right now especially as we're seeing a shift for people, how people behave and then i mean greg bring well, greg in with local search i, mean, I was gonna google is your home page well and none of the other stuff that we do with seo matters if you don't have the technical absolutely. right i mean a simple thing like page speed yeah. is a huge part of technical yeah. seo and you've got sites that may have amazing content but they take 15 seconds to load doesn't matter what the content is doesn't matter what their links are doesn't even matter if they rank number one no human's going to convert on that site because the site experience is so bad so it really is moving more in the direction of the user Mm -hmm. it's it's all about the person once they get to the site you gotta have a good site that works or nothing else matters because I mean that idea that kind of we, we get all these touch points going on, but at the end of the day, except in local search when somebody's going to your shop, they end up on your site mm. and that's where they buy. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you were going to say something? Yeah, but like I, just kind of switching topics for a second. Uh, the, I feel like page speed's been like over uh, uh, talked, and and I think so. And yeah. I think it's been. I think it's one of those things where Google says something, 
and it becomes the big buzz that everybody yeah. talks about. Yeah. You know, at a lot of conferences, you hear all this stuff about you got to get your page speed. You know, if your page doesn't, you know, every second of load of additional load time is twenty percent or whatever, yeah, 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 which yeah, is BS. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. as long as your site loads less than ten seconds, you're fine. Yeah. Now, if you're in the bottom ten percent of yeah. all sites as yeah. far as load speed, yeah. sure, you're getting penalized yeah. for having a slow site. Yeah. But if your site's already loading in five or six seconds and yeah. you shave another second off, that's going to do absolutely nothing for how yeah. your rankings. Now, it may make your conversions go up yeah. because it's a better user experience, but it's going to do nothing yeah. to rankings. Yeah. So really quickly, interesting that you say that. So if you stop and you think about all the various elements that cause your site to load at whatever the time duration it actually is, nine times out of ten, it's technical elements on the back end of your website that's impacting that site speed, yep. oh, yeah. page speed, site speed, whichever you want to look at it. And actually one of the examples that I gave in my talk yesterday was the ASOS example, right? 87% drop off or fallout of revenue. And a large percentage of that was based off of a lot of elements that they introduced into their site. Um, and one part of that was um, an increase in their site speed load time up to 12 seconds wow. because they introduced a lot of um, code bloat and JavaScript and various elements that created a poor on-site experience. Yeah, and, and no one's waiting around 12 seconds for a page yeah. to load. No, I'm and sorry. isn't the part of the problem with that is you kind of you got your page and you think, oh, I'll add another bell and yeah. then I'll add another whistle. And, and kind of yeah. people who track, like, I can't remember who he's talking about, is every time you add something, do an audit and there's, yeah. there's a trade-off. You have to force people to say, if I want that bell, mm -hmm. I'm going to take that whistle off. Yeah. It's funny, I just talked to a client today in the morning who's like, who said, oh, we're having a hard time load, loading our, our thumbnails for excerpts into the into the bottom of the of the homepage. Mm. I'm like, tell me, how many people actually scroll to the bottom of your homepage to look at these pictures from your excerpts, right? Right. We're just increasing load times, right? Yeah. yeah. doing this. So just get rid of it, right? Uh, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of things that can be fixed on people's sites before addressing page speed that will have a better impact on their rankings. Okay. Uh, over spending so much time on page speed. Mm. Uh, I think it's just been, th that bear has been poked enough okay. times. And, and so so <laughs> yeah. technically, yeah. beyond page speed, what's yeah. the next thing you would so, be looking at? For me, for us, a lot of stuff that we're doing is topic organization information architecture, right? Okay. Helping yeah. Google understand what's on the website and preventing like uh, a competition between topics, uh, dilution, topical focus dilution. Huge mm. problem. A lot of bloggers have really crappy sites mm. that they buy from like, uh, theme forest right? yeah. <laughs> they're poorly coded uh, and they do a good job at blogging because that's what they do uh, but then what we're seeing is you have an article and then there's like an article let's say like 1600 words and then there's like 200 comments and each comment is about 100 words right so you have 2000 words of comments that are diluting the content of the article on the same page it's not paginated out it's mm -hmm. not being loaded with ajax it's just there on the page so over time the ranking starts slipping and nobody's really paying attention to that we actually had a hard time figuring out why this page is sucking for, for the for the for the client. Uh, but yeah, topic organization. Not a lot of people are optimizing their breadcrumbs properly. And this is all easy stuff to do that has a lot of reward, right? So you don't have to be super technical. This is not JavaScript rendering, right? Yeah. This is putting your articles in appropriate categories so yeah. it makes sense for Google where things are organized on your site or paying attention because you got those bloggers or companies that have blogs that are adding content year over year over year. And they may end up with 15 to 20 articles or posts on the about the exact same yeah. thing. It's just that it's a year later and they forgot that they wrote it in the first place or yeah. they've got some new spin on it. And instead yeah. of creating one really good piece of content, they've got 20 pieces of mediocre content. And you call that and combine it all together and end up with one or two really awesome pieces yeah. performs infinitely better. Yeah, and, and Simon Hasseltine was talking in the context of news. 
is you've got these multiple stories. At what point do they become different stories? Exactly. And how much can you actually bring them together? Yep. So I'm expanding on yep. the story I've already yep. told. Yep. Interestingly enough, also too, kind of similarly to the example you were saying, is like the mass emphasis that needs to be placed on just basic site navigation and on-site search. Absolutely. I think so yep. many people get that wrong. And again, it impacts the user journey and the experience on-site, yeah. which again, we Google's been telling us for how long now that they're, they're putting so much emphasis on um, ranking sites based off of positive user experience yeah. and those signals. Um, so I think that, again, site navigation and looking at that and on-site search, which is something that J.P. Sherman's been talking about a yeah. lot lately, mm -hmm. impacts so much of, again, um, the technical elements of your site above and beyond just site speed or page speed. Oh, yeah. I've talked to so many people through the years that are like, yeah, I've got this really awesome landing page about this, yeah. and it doesn't get indexed. And you're like, oh, all right, cool, where is it? Oh, we'll have to type the URL in because yeah, there's no yeah, link yeah. to it in the yeah, navigation. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's yeah. to us, it seems really simple. Yeah. But to the general public, it, they just don't understand how those things work. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. A, it's, I, I just think that there needs to be better education about the simple stuff of like how Google does things and yeah. how Google discovers information. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. I was just, what you, something you just said earlier on is like that idea of user experience and Google mm -hmm. really looking yeah. at that. And local SEO with uh, uh, tracking the Android phone and saying, uh, repeat visits, show quality. Uh, my, my big question there is, you're going, okay, we're tracking Android phones. That's easy peasy, but I get it. And it, it is a signal of quality, which means Google are explicitly saying at some point user behavior is a ranking factor. They're, local. they're already that? doing that. They're yeah. already doing that. And, and they're looking at in the future. That was that, the question. That, well, yeah, they've, got a patent, they've got a yeah. patent for it. They've right. gotten several patents for tracking yeah. real-world behavior as a ranking signal. Now, just because they got the patent doesn't mean it's part of the algorithm yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. But we know that's the direction they're going. Mm -hmm. And we know that that real-world entity interaction yep. is the direction they're going because that's a lot harder to fake and it's a lot more of a real-world gauge of is his business better than hers? Well, yeah. he's got a lot more people coming to his business while he's open than she does, and we can very much track that in the real world. Yeah. And he also gets more reviews with the sentiment of those reviews, very easy to analyze, that people freaking love him, and people are like, yeah, she's okay, she's yeah, whatever. Like, Let's go back up, Bolton. Yeah, but then there's there's other variables at play that can might not make this a consistent or a stable enough of a measurement across uh, a, a, like a, a, a group of tests, right? Sure. So like, she might be a track she might attract clients that are not being tracked by Google. Like mm. she might attract people with iPhones. Right? Which is why I think they haven't yeah. really implemented yeah. it yet. I think yeah. it's yeah. one of those things that they know that's, yeah. they want to go, yeah. they want to yeah. get there. It's directional. Like exactly, exactly what they did with the knowledge graph. When they released the knowledge graph in 2012, they said, this is what, this is our first step in trying to figure yep. out entity relationships. Yep. They couldn't get there yet. Now they've got machine learning and mm -hmm. machine learning is allowing them to understand these entities. Yep. But, you know, seven years ago, they publicly said, this is where we want to be, and now they're finally getting there. I think yeah. this stuff with local is them saying, this is where we want to be. We know that this is the right yeah. way to do it. We just haven't figured out the right way to really yeah. assess it yet. And, and mm -hmm. they've just started, they're on the way, and if, if we take that example, the knowledge graph in seven years, they're going to be getting that. Yeah. yeah. Or it might be shorter. Maybe maybe the whole thing is going to move forward faster. I mean, we're kind of what already do you seeing think knowledge. Go ahead. No, I is it going to move forward faster, or am I, am um, I being over-enthusiastic and naive? I think that there is potential for it to move faster, but I think at the end of the day, right, it's there, Google is showing us that that's the direction, like yeah. Greg was saying, that they're going in. Yeah. Now, again, it might not be today or tomorrow, but it's definitely going, they will get there eventually. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, okay. Great. But so, again, as Greg was saying, like now when you're introducing machine learning into this, it has the abilities of infinitely speeding yep. things up tremendously, yep. Yep. right? Mm. It's 
It's no, a no, I, I think edge. that entity yeah. match with machine learning is going to be so much faster mm. now. Yeah. Like where now, if we want to optimize for, like, if we want to get a brand to be recognized as a brand in Google and not just like a, you know, a, 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 let's call it a, a, just like a regular query, right? Mm. Uh, you have to do entity optimization, right? You have to connect the dots for the knowledge graph. You need to get your brand into the places where the knowledge graph grabs information from, yep. right? Yep. But with machine learning, especially like stuff like same as markup, if you're like, you're connecting the dots, right? This is my website. This is my Facebook page. This is my Twitter. This mm -hmm. is my this, right? And then that gets pulled into the knowledge graph into the, you know, secondary links mm -hmm. in that, right? So that's already happening. We're seeing, we're seeing this implicit retrieval populate the explicit in the knowledge graph, right? Yeah, and that, the, the knowledge file at the time is some, something I've been looking at with yeah. brands specifically. Yeah. And uh, I, I started doing some research on it and found there are 101 other sources that aren't Wikipedia that are feeding yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. knowledge graph. Yeah, yeah. so many. And one really interesting one is Gennaro Cofano, who works for WordLift. If you search in America, it shows his Google Books um, biography. And if you search in Italy, it shows his employer's biography. And the, the employer becomes the trusted source for yeah. him in Italy yeah. now, because the, the company's Ita Italian. Yeah. Sorry, right. is the search being in Italy being performed in English or in Italian? Well, that's in, the in other English. question as well. Yeah, imagine if you run that search in Italian. Yeah, no, that whole kind of international thing that was completely bonkers, yeah. especially in brand search. They're all very different mm -hmm. depending on the country, yeah. and then you change the language, and yeah, yeah. my head starts hurting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like even in local search, we could do a search query right here, and then we could walk two blocks that way and do the same search, and the results are going to be different. Yeah, okay, and, and that, that comes back to kind of this idea of, of things get more and more uh, precise. Yes. And, and in general search, that's going to happen more and more, which is super exciting. I've got another question for all of you. Uh, I was talking to Bruce Clay earlier on, who, who has a, an 80-20 theory, that every year 20% of what we know needs to be updated in our minds, it changes, and 80% stay the same. And if we stick to that 80% doing what we're doing, then the next 20%, then the next 20%. So we've got this kind of half-life 80-20, which I really like as a concept. I don't know if it means anything. What do you think? I don't understand it. <laughs> oh, right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, no, I, I think it makes complete sense, actually, if you logically think about it and break it down. Like, um, it's with anything, right? The information needs to be updated based off of the changing of the times, new technology yeah. that gets introduced. So obviously things become outdated. They need to be refreshed. And and I think that's with anything. So if you kind of think about the knowledge of the information that we're retaining in our memory bank, yeah. then that stands the same as well? Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense because we know the algorithm is updating yeah. and the signals that matter are different now than what they were five years ago. Yeah. That's what but I'm how many yeah, agencies do we like run into on a daily basis that are using the same tactics they've been using for 10 years and yeah. they haven't updated a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, but go, going all the way back to what you were talking about with regards to refreshing content and merging, merging articles, similar sort of a concept, right? So... At DeepCrawl, we just went through um, a site redesign and migration, and we had a whole bunch of articles that actually a lot of that information was outdated based off of our, our sheer product and platform being updated and changed. Sure. You know, so so it's just a refresh. It's updating. And it's new technology being introduced and new ways yeah. of doing things. No, sorry, and that, yeah. it brings us on to another question, yeah. which is spring cleaning. Yeah. That we oh, always yeah. forget to do. I mean, I think... We'll Pretty yeah. much all of us. I mean, yeah. my site's out there. Yeah. Well, we, every time we get a, before we do anything with a client, we're going through an audit right away. Okay. Uh, anything we do. And we're looking, we're looking at that. We're looking at like, what can we trim? Like, what can we make, uh, uh, where can we take space away from like the crawl budget, right? Like, okay. where can yeah. we make more room? Uh, and obviously, one of the first things we're doing is we're, we're trimming old content, uh, content audits every quarter. And, and getting them to update the content that's gone yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that really hard to keep track of? I mean, you're saying Deep Crawl maybe didn't do it 100% right, but it's difficult yeah. to keep track of when they've got the quantity of content you guys have got. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're um, producing 
constant at such high frequencies yeah. um, and on a regular basis. But then like you guys that. have like panels that track all of that. You were just showing that, right? You have your, your yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we do. Um, and actually one of the guys on my team, Sam Marson, he, um, the way in which he went about our full scale content audit before the actual migration was he actually used deep crawl. He used a crawler to yeah. audit the content and he leveraged custom extraction in order to pull through certain variables nice. and pieces of data in order to understand, okay, is this content so relevant? When do we publish this content? Who is the author on this content? Yeah, yeah. Does that person still interact with us as yeah. a partner, a client, an employee, etc.? What content was so valuable for us? What content could we actually get rid of to effectively save space yep. and crawl budget? Yep. And I mean, there's a lot of ways of going about it. And when you're um, working with large volumes of content, you just have to be efficient with it and start to automate things where you absolutely can. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. Yes, that's yes, winning cool. for me. So if like, Greg can just that, say, yeah, I'm, so I'm like, done. With a lot of UGC, like even that author trim, right? Like. That's super important. If you have, if you're big on UGC, yeah. if you see that it's not the person is not there anymore, they're not updating their content no and it's aging. Yeah, it's just taking up space. You got to get yeah. rid of it. We work with a lot of at UGC where this is like auditing the author mm -hmm. when the last time they actually logged into their panel and looking at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. so super important because like there, somebody has access to published content and they haven't been on your site for like three four years. And the last time they answered a comment was three four years ago. Yeah, right. You audit the content. The content is like already stopped performing. Like. Are you going to keep this author, right? Mm. Like you got to get rid of it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We can end it there because that was actually it was it's slightly rambling, but absolutely fucking brilliant conversation. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks. S E O is A O. Thank you, Arsen, Jennifer, and Greg. Thank you. I feel like we need Thanks, jazz hands. I know. That's <laughs>